welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week wrapping up the City of Ember trilogy as we finish The Diamond of Darkhold. And I know we've both enjoyed the series and also are happy to be moving along. So I really think that's a great place to start the episode. Yeah, I feel much the same as you do. We've enjoyed the series, but we're also ready for the next thing. As we tell you every single week, we are a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network, and we read and reread YA books from our adolescence. I suggested this series because we've been covering dystopian books, and this, obviously, I'd never gotten to the final book of the series, so we both got to experience the ending for the first time. And, you know, it was kind of fun, but since I suggested the series, Asia's on summary duty, so Asia, this is your last one for the next six weeks. Yes, get ready because... It'll be back to you next week, and those books, I think, are going to be a little bit longer. But anyway, diving into the last half of the book, we have Dune is, Dune has managed to escape the Trogs, and Lima Bean manages to link up with him. They at first break the diamond that Dune got from the Trogs, but then end up discovering that there are more diamonds, and they bring some back with them to Sparks. Then, with the help of the whole village, they are actually able to organize an expedition back to Ember to retrieve all of the resources and the remainder of the diamonds. They learn that the diamonds are solar-powered batteries, so they finish the series with new forms of electricity and a slow rebuilding of society. So, just going right into my impressions, the story was definitely cute and had a very nice wrapped-up-with-a-bow ending, but... Like we kind of said, I'm definitely looking forward to moving on to the next series just because the series was definitely enjoyable, but not so good that I think I would necessarily read this again just because there were some things that were like we had talked about in previous episodes that were just a little bit unbelievable, a little bit too easy, like some of the conflicts were too easily resolved. And it's just, it's still just a little young. So I don't think this is necessarily a series I'd read again, but I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that's a, I I feel the same. I think that I enjoyed it. I definitely don't think I need to read it again anytime soon. I will say it's quite ahead of its time in that, like, some of the themes, and I will talk about that at the end, that I think are, like, quite anticipatory of things we're dealing with in the 21st century. So we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. I think that, like, this is the kind of book that I'd be really happy for my kids to read one day. You know how, like, when we were talking about the golden compass and you were like, I don't want my children to read that book without supervision. I'm like, this is the kind of book. Yeah. I think this, I I would agree. I think this is a nice safe book for your kids to read. No scary polar bears ripping people's flesh in half. Very safe, not too scary and very straightforward, but also having like good lessons throughout the book. So yeah, I would agree. I would let my kids read it, but I wouldn't want to read it with them. (laughs) Well, if they asked me to read it to them, I would, but I, this is, your kids should be reading this on their own. That's true. I mean, but, you know, depending on their age, maybe not. I don't know. Well. I guess, like, if you read it to them when they're little. Well, I don't have kids right now, so I'm just not going to worry about it. Let's just go ahead and dive in. <laughs> so, 
we actually end up picking up from last week's cliffhanger, if you remember. Kenny is talking to Lizzie about Dune and Lina being off. And of course, Torin overhears because he totally sucks. And they decide they're going to go rescue them, which I thought was super dumb because none of these people have survival skills. Well, again, they're all little kids, like we said, children's story. But yes, I definitely love the shade that Kenny throws at Lizzie and Torin about how they clearly don't know Lima Bean and Dune because when they're trying to just to figure out where they could have gone or what they're doing, even though Lizzie's obviously known them the longest between the three of them and Torin literally lives in the same house as Lima Bean, but they both of them don't know them at all. I know. He's like, um, guys, I don't think this was an accident. Like, I think that, like, they had a plan, they were doing something, and they, neither Lizzie or Torin had thought of that. Like, yeah, Kenny's truly the only one that knows them at all. And then shortly after this, Dune quickly escapes the Trogs, and his escape plan had me pretty much on the edge of my seat. I thought he was very smart to trick and get the keys and then hide in the pipeworks, cut off the electricity, and then divert the Trog family with a candle so that he was able to get away. I just thought it was a pretty clever plan. Yeah. Though, I will say, I didn't think he was particularly smart when as soon as he got out of the cave, he started yelling for Lina. Like, I mean, it ends up paying off immediately because she turns out to be, like, right around the riverbend, but, or just around the riverbend, to quote, you know, an iconic Disney movie. But I was like, you've literally just escaped, you know, captivity. It's the middle of the night, and you just start screaming. Like, that wasn't that smart, Dune. Uh, again, like I said, I think some of these things are just so unbelievable at this point that that didn't even really bother me. And also, at least, like, the argument could be he had locked the family down into the pipeworks, and he said it was probably going to take them at least an hour or so to, like, break down the door. So they probably wouldn't have necessarily been able to hear him, like, to get up to him right away. So I guess mm-hmm. you could say it was plausible, but I understand your frustration. <laughs> But we did skip a really brief chapter of the three savior children, and I just needed to mention it because (laughs) Lizzie decides that as they're on their trip, like, she's just totally ridiculous. She's like, I'm going to wear my hair down, and she, like, rubs dried lavender on herself because she has this plan to, like, try and steal Dune away from Lima Bean, like, to be his girlfriend because, again, this girl has had, like, three boyfriends already in the series, So I just, like, I was dead. Like, I just couldn't believe how crazy this little girl is. It was really funny because she says she thinks Dune would need a more interesting lady friend. (laughs) A more interesting lady friend. I thought that was so funny. Like, laugh out loud moment. Which, like, how can you get any more interesting than someone named Lima Bean? Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, her name is not that, but how can you get some more interesting than someone, like, you've literally saved the world with a couple times? And someone who, you know, likes to run for fun. Talk about being insanely interesting. I don't know. That would just kind of scare me. But so let's go back to my previous point of Dune screaming as soon as he gets out of the cave. And but yeah, as we've talked about, there's some implausibilities because turns out Lina, after having been in a carriage and escaping, like leaving the area with Mags the night before... She decides to backtrack towards the cave because she was going the wrong direction anyway. So now they are within shouting distance of each other. So as soon as they start shouting, they can hear each other, which, you know, this is where this book basically became fantasy for me. You know, it was four days, one trip. 
then it was one day the next day, and then apparently they're so close now that, that, you know, they can hear each other screaming. Yeah. Like we've said, this book is a little convenient for the characters, but Dune does end up breaking the diamond that he got from the Trogs while saving Lina from, I'm sorry, oh my god, saving Lima Bean from... <laughs> from some wolves that are about to attack her, which this scene was just totally random, but, like, I know it's because they just kept talking about how they were wolves, but, like, was this really necessary? I don't know. And nothing really came of it besides, I guess they broke the diamond. But I assumed that, you know, these diamonds have something to do with them using it for electricity, so I was like, well, maybe they needed it to be broken down anyway, so by him breaking it, they'll be able to use it. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, thank goodness there were some wolves because they've mentioned wolves like on every other page of this book. So I was like, I'm going to be pretty annoyed if we don't get to see wolves at some point, just because like that would be very strange writing. But yes, it, it basically just serves to have their dramatic reunion. And Dune does say that he saw that there were wires in the diamond. And I too, like you just said, I agree. I thought in this moment that like they were only going to ever figure out the purpose of the diamond when it breaks. Like, I thought that the diamond needed to be broken for them to figure the purpose, but it turns out we were both wrong. Yes, we were, but let's not skip Lizzie again, because since, you know, Trog was the comic relief last reading, Lizzie is this time. And when we get another chapter with, with the three kids, Lizzie is, like, dreaming up this scenario with Dune having a broken leg and her being the only one to be able to save him and, like, help him walk. But now, because of the wolves, Dune actually, like, sprains his ankle. So Lima Bean is literally helping Dune walk, like, with his sprained ankle. So she's, I guess, living Lizzie's dream in that moment. But this little trio of attempted saviors decides that they cannot walk any longer and they cannot find them. So they finally decide to just go back to Sparks and tell adults what's going on so they can actually get some real help. I know. I thought that was really funny. I was like, y'all really couldn't even make it a day. You couldn't even make it a day. I mean, they're all like 10 or something, right? I mean, except Lizzie. I mean, Lizzie is their age. She's like 12 or 13, but Kenny and Torn are both like 10. So, I mean, the fact that they even made it, like they probably walked like a mile away and a mile back. That's a lot of walking for little kids. I guess. Anyway, so now we can go back to that. No, the diamond did not actually need to be broken. But they are still really smart, and they figure out that the one diamond is just like when they found the one boat at the beginning down in Ember, which means that there were actually a lot of diamonds. So Dune and Lima Bean find a bunch of the diamonds in the room that, like, held the single diamond with, like, the big book. They're, like, hidden in the walls. And so at this point, I was guessing, you know, that the diamonds must be used as some sort of power source since there's so many of them. And again, since we're assuming it has something to do with electricity. And since we said that Dune said the diamond had wires on the bottom or something. So it has to be some sort of power source. We just didn't know what it was yet. Yeah. And that ends up being true. So they find the thousand diamonds. And so this is super dramatic when they lead their expedition to go back to Ember. They like leave the party and they were almost late, and they, like, Matt, like, come up with this plan, and they, like, develop this master plan to reveal to the Sparks residents that the diamonds are basically solar batteries. So now they can use all those light bulbs they have, and they have electricity in the diamonds. So I just want to say that my guess last week was pretty close that the diamond is an unlimited power source. Like, I think last week I said that they're, like, 
potentially it was an unlimited power source, which was wrong and that the diamond itself has no power in and of itself. But <laughs> it's honestly a better explanation that they are solar batteries. Yeah, that was a good explanation and like completely made sense. And since apparently I mean cuz remember like original solar panels like the small ones on like toys, they would be blue. Yes, yes, Do that's you remember that? that's true. So yeah, I mean it totally makes sense and like For once, this is actually totally plausible, totally possible, totally just logical. Just completely makes sense. But going back to Lizzie, since apparently I'm the Lizzie tracker this week. You really are. We find out that Lizzie does have an actual heart and does care care about her friends because when they actually do find Dune and Lima Bean, and Lima Bean is hoping Dune limp, she forgets all about of her fantasies about Dune and everything, and she literally just says how she's just glad to have just glad to know that her two friends have made it home alive and like are safe. Thank you for tracking that for us. We really needed that this week. And now I just want to go back to the drama of Dune and Lima Bean, because like we said, they pretty much lead the expedition back to Ember and then they run away so that they can have this like dramatic sunset reveal with the diamond light bulb thing. And (laughs) on their way there, Dune, like, says that he's got all of the light bulbs, which the light bulbs are from Torin, which Casper gave all those light bulbs. He said he gave him 48, which Dune already used one of them for his little crankable light thing. So that means there's 47 light bulbs. And again, these kids have, like, backpacks made of sheets. So, and Lima Bean is specifically like, oh, did you get all of the light bulbs? And he's like, yeah, I've got them all. And, like, it's supposed to be inconspicuous because nobody's supposed to know that they're bringing all these light bulbs with them on the expedition. So that, here we go, right back to the, like, just completely unbelievable that he was able to fit 47 light bulbs, which even if he somehow had, like, a Mary Poppins bag where, like, you wouldn't wouldn't be able to tell how many. Well, one, they'd break or, and or, they're going to make a whole bunch of noise because a whole bunch of glass banging against each other. Like, he would have had to have lined it with something which would have taken up even more space like so i just this book but anyway like i said this book is just it's constantly trying to get the reader to believe things that are just physically impossible but you know whatever i guess we're almost to the end yeah like these two truly are like superhumans like they 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 freaking figure out a solar battery in a world that doesn't have electricity like okay and then they are they're in charge of the cleaning out of ember like they reveal the solar lights and then they're the ones who like devise the plan they're the ones who divide the groups into parties they're the ones who like come up with everything and i was like you guys are 13 and there are multiple adults in this town including town leaders like you also both have guardians like why on earth are they in charge of everything yeah also I was confused as to why, like, the Trogs just abandoned Ember so quickly. Like, they didn't even try to get, like, revenge or anything. Like, I feel like they could have been waiting, you know, thinking Dune has to come back with all these people. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, they just disappeared. And then also when they're while they're in Ember, Dune doesn't go back for his bug book. But Lima Bean tries to go get her drawings of her, like, magical city off of her walls in her old apartment. And all the drawings are gone, which, like, where did they go? That was kind of weird. Yeah, I, like, especially with the Trogs, like, I, he basically says, Dune basically says, 
because I cut off the power and the generator was now fully broken, like, they're not going to get any fresh water, so they're going to they'll leave the city really quickly. And I'm like, that doesn't make very much sense because the generator has basically been failing and super patchy anyway. So, like, they could just think that it's just, like, an extended blackout, you know, between, like, power bursts, you know? Yeah. Like, I was just, like, it just felt like Dune just took for granted that they would be, like, ah, we don't have water, which we already barely had fresh water from Ember anyway. Guess, like, we got to immediately vacate the premises. And I was, like... I feel like the premises of Ember has a bunch of things that are worth sticking around for. I would just, I wouldn't say necessarily because of that, because I do think the issue of water would be a bigger issue. Like, it's not really easy to get into Ember, so it's not like they could, like, go get water from, like, the outside and bring it back. I totally understand that. I just didn't understand why, like, I just assumed the Trogs were going to, like, try to get revenge in some way, which, I mean, we do get a resolution with them with the Trogs showing up and they get integrated into Sparks and we find out that Squago, the little boy they basically kidnapped, had taken Dune's Bud book and Lima Bean's drawing. So we like get a little bit of a conclusion with them, but I just thought it was like, I don't know, I just they just seemed like angrier, meaner people. So I just figured that they wouldn't go down without more of a fight, but I don't know. I do think, like, because also, I mean, they take all the light bulbs back and, like, Sparks is thriving. And something I was just thinking about, which, again, it's more of a children's story of, like, there just didn't seem to be, like, once this all happened, like, it was just, like, a big happy ending. Because what something I was thinking about, they start, start to talk about kind of in, like, the flash forward of how, like, Sparks is developing. That is that they start trading the diamonds to the roamers to, like, pass on to other communities. And I'm like, you know, they've mentioned multiple times in the story about there being like bandits and stuff and like wouldn't word get around that like this community called sparks had all like a thousand diamond light bulbs like no one's gonna try and like come and steal those like yeah also it just doesn't really feel like you would want to actually trade those away that easily well yeah because also i mean you'd want to i feel like you'd want to keep it a secret that you have this technology because Everybody in the whole world, or even if we're just saying this, the country of wherever they are, like the land that they're on, like everybody's going to want those because nobody has access to electricity. Yeah, it just felt like, I mean, I know there's a thousand light bulbs, a thousand diamonds, but still. But like, that's not that many. Yeah, that's a finite resource. Until you can like duplicate them, I wouldn't like want to just like. Yeah, until like they were able to make them themselves, I feel like, I don't know, to me that was just like where it was clearly like a kid's book because. Like I said, throughout the story, because even how you're saying about the wolves, they kept men- the wolves kept being mentioned, and we did at least get a scene where they showed wolves. But, like, they mentioned multiple times about the bandits, and the Trogs talked about how the reason why they ended up in Ember is because the town they lived in was completely destroyed by bandits, like, and how they, like, burned the whole town down. And, like, I know Sparks at this point is a very large settlement, but, like... What if, like, another town, like, another community decided that they were going to, like, wage a war on Sparks to get these diamonds? Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like when they're talking about a place that, you know, had the three wars and everything and humanity basically, like, killed each other, it just, to me, wouldn't make any sense for them. Once they have this huge source of power, no one's going to try to take it from them, Mm -hmm. like, by force. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, like, very much, we kind of get, like, a happy ending. I mean... Even, like, the fact that they go into Ember and they're able to salvage all of the useful resources. Like, I really like that. I'm a Capricorn. I like organization like that. But 
it made like and it made my like logical side of the brain happy that they were able to salvage everything from sparks but from cat from ember to bring two sparks but yes it definitely feels like sparks like ends up like incredibly prosperous with like no more threats i don't know yeah i i mean i take your point i agree I'm just saying because since they talk about the they talk about roamers like talking about to other cities like I feel like if you were that prosperous like imagine how many other people are suffering like until you're at the point where you can actually help other people like I don't know I just feel like it just didn't seem very realistic for how they're describing humans for being and just I mean how we know in the real world like if you have something that no one else has and you have no way of making more of it like it's super valuable I just feel like people would try to take it yeah no, I mean, it's a, it's a good point. It is a good point. But on on a lighter note, we do get to hear about the future of our main characters as well. So Lima Bean, they actually, one of the diamonds, like they trade for a horse for her. So she actually gets to become a messenger again. But now she's riding on a horse to the different communities and actually delivering letters and packages now instead of text messages when she would run through Ember. Yeah, she's really like like the beginning of the postal service again. And Yeah, basically like the Pony Express is yeah, or something. She's Isn't Pony that what Express. it's called? And Dune is now an electrician. Like he's starting to figure out electricity and like reading these textbooks and He's starting to, like, operate old tech, and he's, like, very wise. He's like, I know I'm not going to, like, see the full understanding of technology, but someone will. And then, like, apparently for generations, people, like, literally do. Yeah, which I thought right there, that was when, you know, it's a kid's book. They're like, yes, in three generations, like, they won't get to see it, but, like, the world is back to how it was. And I'm like, I don't know if I would feel that way. Like, if I discovered electricity, I'd be like, I'm going to discover everything there is to know about that. Like, I wouldn't be so humble as to be like... I know I won't see the final products of my work. I'd be like, I'm going to see mastery. <laughs> but yes, and then also with this flash forward, which I would assume like what we get to see of Lima Bean and Dune is they're probably like about 18-ish is when like... Or they, older even. Or older even, like in their early 20s, like basically young adults. And now that they are older, like their friendship has grown, I could want to see them together romantically. But I just, I don't know, I just couldn't see it when they're like 12 or 13. Like they have, they haven't even really gone through puberty. Like they're just kids. They just want to be friends. Well, also they were like spy kids together. Like they didn't really like, there wasn't that much romantic chemistry. It was just that they had chemistry, period. So yes, it does kind of say like eventually they moved into a house together and you know. Apparently, everyone else in their town is so dumb. Like, they're not worth living with. <laughs> like, everyone else gives up after walking a mile. And Lina's like, I'm literally going to ride a horse all day. Like, and Dune's like, I'm a mad scientist. Yes. So then, at the very end of the book, this is where it kind of started to lose me, I guess. There is a mention of aliens. Which, again, we, we just read Divergent. It's no way in comparison to that. But basically, they say that they're... There are, like, aliens, or it's this unmanned ship from this astronaut who, like, found life off of Earth, like, aliens, basically. And so the ship has come back. It's unmanned, so it's just, like, a robot, basically. And it's taking data on the humans, like, new beginning of society. But I was just like, if they're going to mention all this, like, why aren't the aliens contacting the people? Like, I don't understand, like, why bring this up? It's to connect to the prequel novel, The Prophet of Yonwood. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, like, I look, well, also, because 
when I was reading the book, like at the end, it's like, oh, read the next like prequel novels. Like it was, it was setting it up because at this point to me, I was like, the story could keep going because like maybe like aliens will invade earth or something. But they mention this spacecraft and specifically the astronomer whose name is Hoyt McCoy, which is the one who like left from Yonwood. And it's obviously, it's setting up, there's the prequel novel is called The Prophet of Yonwood. So obviously that's pretty interesting and like, I kind of maybe want to read the prequel because, okay, there's more to the story, but just, like, on my own time, I guess. But I don't know. It just seemed kind of random at the end. I know what you mean. I mean, we needed to tie up that green moving star because it... Yeah, like it's said, for the green it moving really star. Writing if we didn't know what the green moving star was. But, so, I took it kind of two ways. I mean, I can see what you're saying. It's being random. One, I do think it connects, obviously, connects the other book in. And two, and maybe more importantly, I think that you could kind of read it as more of going into a thematic discussion rather than anything else. Because it basically says that, like, not all of humanity was lost. Like, not all of civilization was lost and that people, like, still managed to come together to, like, reclaim and rebuild and, like, not just, like, completely regress and lose all of society. Like, that's kind of what they, the ship says, like, it was going to report back to its masters or whatever. So I think that, like, okay, maybe the aliens are a little out of left field to kind of get that theme across, but there is something about, like, the resilience of humanity in that. So maybe, I don't but know if you need the resilience of humanity is the city of Ember and Sparks. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like we didn't need that extra. I mean, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, if you're really trying to be obvious for kids... It's just kind of like, I don't know, to me, like how we were talking about before, if it being like an airplane, Mm -hmm. like maybe on like a more remote area of Earth, there's still like more like real civilization, like technological advancements. Like they didn't like have to go back to the beginning of like having no electricity, having nothing. I feel like to me that would just be a little bit more believable because there's been no mention of astronauts or anything the whole series. So it just seems kind of random to throw in at the end that like Sure. There was an astronaut. But I mean I understand because it's something it's it's an intention grabber and like I said, even when I read it, I was like, Oh, maybe I want to read the prequel because you're like, what could that be about? Yeah. But Well, I too will probably read the prequel on my own time where for our podcast sake, we're not gonna cover it, we're gonna move on. But if you guys ask us to do a special episode on the prequel, I think that we would be happy to do that for you guys. Right now, we're going to move on to the next series just because we don't want to get bogged down. As we've noticed with a lot of young adult books, the universes have multiple additional books in them, and we would just get really bogged down. I mean, Divergent, there's like extra short stories and books. and I think it would be interesting at some point, you know, maybe in the future, for us possibly to do like a prequels series or something to like revisit series we've already covered because that way it doesn't feel like, like we're just reading the story over and over again. And like, we're stuck in this universe. Which was our biggest I feel like it would be nice to Midnight revisit. Sun. Was that like we read Midnight yeah, Sun? Yeah, like how we read right Midnight after? Sun, which I mean, that one isn't really a prequel novel, so it wouldn't be exactly that. But I just think that would be fun also for us as readers to revisit for the podcast the and for the listeners to kind of revisit things we've already covered. If you want us to do that, just let us know. Like, we will, you know, we will definitely take that under advisement. We have one more dystopian series that we want to start next week. But do you have any other final points before we move wrap up, Asia? 
I don't think so. Like I said, I just think this is a series. It was overall fine. It was good. It was enjoyable to read. But like I said, it's definitely more for a younger audience and it's not something that I would reread, but I might read the prequel and it's a it's child approved. I would give this to my children to read when I, when I have children. Yeah. I wanted to pull out a couple of text lines that well, felt very thematic that I thought we might, you know, there's one moment where Dune, actually they both come from our guardian figures. Dune's father says there's no such thing as an easy life, but you can have a good life. And I was like, that feels a little on the nose. But, you know, there's one thematic um, thing to think about. And for Mrs. Murdo, she says that what makes, she says, Alina and Dune don't have extraordinary powers. They just use the extraordinary powers that we all have, like courage and bravery and thought. Like, I can't remember what exactly. You mean the, the ordinary powers that we all have? Yes, that's what I mean. She doesn't have extraordinary powers. She uses the ordinary powers that we all have. Which I also thought was like a little inspiring, you know. We don't have to all have to be superheroes. And then I have one more thing I want to say. So longtime listeners of this show will know that I write the outlines for this episode for the episodes. I basically draft the way, like the way we're gonna flow, basically going through everything. And I, in the outlines for this series, have never once written Lima Bean. So I've always written Lina, which I just want to say, I commend Asia's brain so much for every time she's reading in the outline, she sees Lina and she's like, nope, just gonna control F, replace. She like replaces them all with Lima Bean in her brain. Like I just... I mean, you messed up once today, but I'll forgive you. I, I messed up today. How embarrassing. But, like, every other time you have, like, with a superpower precision, just, like, seen one word and been like, I'm just going to ignore that. And. Well, I will admit that when I've been reading the book, I do not read it as Lima Bean in my head. I read it as Lina. Terrible name. Awful. If your name is Lina, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I just want to give you kudos because I would never be able to like see one word and be like, psych, nope, like every single time, which you have truly done. So I guess kudos to you. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of myself. (laughs) Okay, let's move on now. We're going to start our next series next week, which is Asia's turn for our partial reread. Yes, we are going to be starting the Maze Runner trilogy with the first book, The Maze Runner, and I've only read the first two books of this series, so I do not know how it concludes. But as always, if you're going to read along with us, we will be reading up through chapter 31. And if not, we always give our summary, so just make sure to tune in next week. Yeah, and if you have predictions, theories, questions, you want to talk about this series, you want to talk about the next series... You want to suggest a series for us to cover, or you want us to do prequels, or you really don't want us to do prequels, you can always stay in touch with us on the Nerd Party website. You just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact, and you select the rec paperback. That will send us an email, and you can get in touch with, with the net. Whoa, going too fast, Charles. You can get in touch with the network at large on Twitter, at JoyNerdParty, or on Instagram at the Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash TheNerdParty. And Asia and I check those too. It's, you know, we, everyone in the network checks those, but we check them too. So just, you know, and you can find me directly on Twitter. Not really. I'm just going to skip it. 
And on Instagram, I'm at seashells. And I'm at Asia on Twitter, even though I'm not there really, but I have recently started trying to post TikToks. So I'm also at Asia Boney on TikTok if you want to check us out over there. And as always, I'm at asia.bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yeah, I'm most definitely not on TikTok, but I am being embarrassed in Asia's TikToks. So, I mean, there's my cat makes frequent appearances in the TikToks. Honestly, that's probably where you should follow us. That's probably the best place to follow us. Asia's TikTok, at Asia Bonilla. Anyway, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.